my mind is stuck in heaven. Yo, 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 you guys, this is Brandon. And this is another episode of the Unrefined. Um, it's uh, Unrefined podcast, but I think it's more about the guys that are unrefined in it. And one of our favorite things that we love to dive into is something that we're going to dive in today. And so I just want to say a shout out to Lindsay, the co-host, the, the man. He's here. How you doing, Lindsay? Doing well. Ready to get into this one. Yeah, I am too, man. This is exciting. I love doing these type of podcasts, you know, where you just really get to go into people's lives and you get to just hear their stories. That that to me is just what makes podcasting worthwhile is is hearing people's stories. And this is going to be an incredible story. And, and I, I just want to put out there already, I don't know the entire thing. I just know bits and pieces. Now, now Lindsay has done some homework and he knows more about it. But I just know bits and pieces of the story, so this is going to be like a total first time. And who we have on the show today is Janice Callahan, and she is a realtor now, but she has been through all kinds of awesome and incredible experiences with God, starting with a near-death experience that profoundly changed her life. I want her to begin to tell her story herself. So Janice, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Brandon. Hello, Lindsay. Hello. Good to have you here. Thank you. I guess any story has a beginning. And so kind of set us up uh, for what was going on in your life and what was happening and, and then just bring us into the zenith of what we're talking about, that that experience that you encountered. Awesome. So this story is going to be one that's going to take us from uh, the bottom to like the mountaintop all in 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 one evening. Um, for those people who might be listening and like relate to the underdog or know what it's like to be the person who is on the outside or the outskirts or, you know, just doesn't think like the general population necessarily necessarily or like I, I I would not say that I was cut from a mold like a cookie I, I was always a little different so from childhood on I was I was a very creative child who never felt like she fit in I had a really rough childhood rough upbringing with lots of um shifting around lived in multiple different family members homes um parents had their own journeys with struggles and things like that. And so um, was born a twin. I, I'm a twin. And so was my partner in crime. Yeah. And so leaned a lot into my twin sister for everything um, right out of the womb. And um, we also have a younger sister and a younger brother. Um, so grew up in a pretty big home, uh, four children. And I always felt like the least of like the least loved of all the kids in the home. And so mm. I kind of grew up with this, this mindset that um, I was disposable and unimportant. And that bred into me a lot of insecurity and this idea that I was going to carve my own path through the stone, be unlike anybody else. And in doing that, it led me to uh, a very dangerous lifestyle, uh, no stone unturned, no wine untasted. And so mm. I lived in that way, that desire to be different and to be seen. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so um, fast forward to the night of the event, um, I was at this time using a lot of methamphetamine and um, that is a stimulant. It's not a hallucinogen for anyone who doesn't know what that is. You can look it up. It's a pretty, it's a pretty hardcore street drug. And I would dabble in that regularly. Like I would say, it's funny, dabble, like dabble every morning in it. And, um, at this point in my life, I had so much wreckage from the dabbling, um, still maintained, had a great six figure, uh, job, had the car, had the house, everything looked okay on the outside, but on the inside, I was just crying out and mm. just broken, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you, you were a very, I guess what they would call kind of a very functional addict. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And so um, this particular evening, um, there had been some chaos and trauma um, a few weeks before, and I was looking for a good time. And so, yeah, I got to my buddy's house. He was my boyfriend at the time. Um, I use that term pretty casually at this point, looking back, um, because my definition of love back then was so loose. It was so, uh, so off base. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Yep. I, I know what you're saying. Yep. I think a lot of us are like that. We don't really know what love is. We just kind of call it that because we're yeah. we're exchanging some special moments with someone. And they're like, oh, I'm in love with you, you know? Well, I don't think we know what love is because we haven't seen love in Christ. I mean, we've we've it's been in our culture everywhere, and we've seen Jesus die on the cross, but we don't think about the whole dynamic of a love that is self-giving like that. And you know what's interesting? So at this point in my life, I was polyamorous. And because I believed that the love that I was looking for, I couldn't find in just one person. So my lifestyle was very wild. Mm. Um, so at the time of this event, I actually had a girlfriend and a couple of men that I was seeing. So it was a very mm. promiscuous party life. Yeah. But I called it all love, and I really wanted love, and it, and I was trying to find that in all of these different things. And um, I think as a creative, I was real attached to this idea of the rebel rock star lifestyle, too. So this particular evening, I go over there, and um, he's like, I've got some great stuff. The stuff is like rocket fuel, and I'm like, awesome. So I go into his kitchen, and I take a couple of hits, and, and I right away begin to cough. And normally this wouldn't make me cough. Normally, like this would not cause a reaction. But um, I thought that was kind of interesting. So then I took a couple of hits. He said, you do not need any more. You're already really high. And I, and I actually wasn't. But I was upset. I was having like an anxiety, like panic attack that day all mm -hmm. day long mm -hmm. and so he blew he shotgunned some marijuana into my mouth and i do not smoke weed i've never been a, a pothead that's just not my thing and so to every everybody out there that's not familiar in the drug world the shotgun means that he he took a, a drag off of his joint and he blew it into her mouth i just want everybody to understand that <laughs> right so, well right, right. a lot of people don't get that they're, they're like shotgun <laughs> anyway or they only know the beer context of it. Or yeah, the beer exactly. Yep. 
also clarify, so for a person who uses methamphetamines on a daily basis and smokes it, to take two hits off of a pipe is not going to do anything. It's going to take you to get onto your level a little while. So you're going to probably like sit there and smoke a, a bowl, a quantity. Well, so, most addicts that we've worked with, uh, Sadie and I, with, in recovery that are on meth, it usually always goes from that and graduates to uh, IV, intravenial, yeah. This I was one of those people who wouldn't do that. I just that scared me. Yeah. I felt like really dangerous, but somehow justified the way I used. Um, and uh, that's what we do, right? Like it makes sense to us until we cross the line in the yep. sand. And so this, so I took a couple of hits. He's like, "You don't need this." Um, he shotguns the marijuana, the pot. I'm like that. I start coughing. Um, but I start at this point, like I already had this tickle in my throat after the couple of hits, uh, of meth. And then when he did this, it was like, all of a sudden those two drugs, I don't know what happened. The combination of them, like my body started to go through this process. I don't know if it was a cardiac arrest. I don't know if it was, um, like I guess it was a cardiac arrest if I had to describe it, but it was like, I try, I go over to the sink. I try to get something to drink that made everything 10 times worse. Looking mm. back, that was a dumb choice, but I thought maybe if I could just, you know, get a drink of water, I'd be okay. But it well, just that's amplified. A, that's a natural reaction. Anybody would do that. I mean, I would do that. Mm. Get, get some water. Yeah. And, um, at that point, everything started happening pretty quickly. Um, I remember that I, my vision went dim. Um, he helped me onto his couch. I remember him reclining my feet. I remember I got my cell phone and put in 911. He said, no, 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 no. You don't need to call him. You don't need to call him inside. Like at this point, cause I'm still coughing. I can't breathe yet. And it was, mm. um, happening. I guess this whole process was maybe like two minutes from the time he did that to the time I'm trying to call 911. And, um, I, and I, I'm like able to kind of like talk, whisper, like, and I'm saying, pray for me. Mm. And inside my natural reaction, and I believe that this is the case, like when many of us, we start to go through this dying or when our life is in danger, we go to God, we like start praying really fast, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I was always a believer. I mean, that was a non-negotiable. I just didn't know much about it. I just knew that it was something I believed in. And um, really had longed and, and went on a spiritual journey. That's another podcast. But um, years before, I had went on a, like a four-year spiritual journey trying to find the right religion. Anyway, mm -hmm. so our denomination. So at this point, my eyesight's growing dim. I'm acutely aware of the organs in my body, how they're starting to shut down. I can literally feel it. I feel... Um, every cell of my body is in an amplified state. And I guess it's, I'm having a chemical reaction is how it felt like, um, mm. man, I'm like, please, God, don't let me die. Don't let me die. The things that are running through my head are like, whew, I always get emotional when I think about this. Well, no, I'm getting emotional. I can feel your fear right now. That's weird. That's you really do. weird. Yeah. I'm thinking of my children. That's that's, I'm not thinking of anything other than my babies who were 19, 16, and four at the time. Okay. And, and I'm like, please, God, no, don't let me die like this. Do not let those, please, please don't let my babies find out this is how their mom died. Mm. And um, 
feeling like a complete idiot, complete fool, uh, because I had not rightfully appreciated the life that I had. I was putting, and now I knew it, like now I understood how dangerous it was that I was doing. Um, but in the, in the party lifestyle, like you, you begin to do little things like first, you know, drinking alcohol and that's not a big deal. And then for some people they spin off with that, but I didn't. And then it was like, you know, trying a little of this. Then I, some people spin off, they didn't. But for me, this particular substance was the only thing that ever really had taken me captive. Okay. And I'm realizing how I had been risking my life every time I had ever tried to do it in this moment as this is all happening. And, and so at this point, it was like, I felt my spirit begin to separate from my body and float upward to the corner of his living room apartment ceiling. So it's float, I'm, I'm floating upward, but yet still in my body. I know that I'm, I'm aware that I'm holding his hand and I'm thinking if I can hold on to this, his hand, like it's going to tether me to this world. Mm. Hmm. And, and I'm away from my body yet, then back in my body. And then at this point, what I, what I speculate happened, y'all, was my body had shut down and my brain was still living like uh the moments before death when the brain might still have some activity yeah yeah i mean like i remember looking like i remember willing my heart to be i remember willing my lungs to expand and take air and my body is not functioning but i can like i'm aware of it and it was terrifying i mean we think we have control over or over ourselves or something you know like the mm -hmm. reality is mm -hmm. <laughs> Every time our heart's beating, it's a miracle, you know? Yeah, yeah. We are so fearfully and wonderfully made. And um, I'm feeling now the blood drain out of my body. It's going downward like the direction of my feet. Um, I'm aware of all of this. I'm aware, but I'm also like refusing to die in my mind. I'm fighting in my spirit. I don't know what you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, no, 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 no. If I can just get, if I can just get to God, I can live. How crazy is that? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it, but it, I mean, that's, that's, that's what anybody in your situation right there would think. I mean, you know, unless they're just raving Satanist, anti, whatever, Anybody in your situation right there is, I mean, yeah, I've just got to get to Jesus. I just got to get to God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and you, just, you just intuitively know Romans 2 or whatever. I think it's Romans 2. You just know he's real and he's there and you're like, I've got to get to him. Yes, yes. And I remember at that point, everything went dark. And and then it was like I opened my eyes in another environment. And oh wow. Mm -hmm. This place is so beautiful. It is so ethereal. Um it was it was like being in a room, but it wasn't just a room. It was some kind of dimension or location that we don't go to naturally in our body. And um I'm I'm feeling this like 
awe is the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. To my left, there's there's three very tall beings. Um, I see them. They look human-like. They're like at least seven feet tall. They're looking at me like, come on, come with us. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. No way. And and I remember like slapping. So it was like I still was in a body, even though I was in the spirit, but I was I slapped away the hand because I knew like if I went with these um what I call angels, that's what that they felt like to me. Yeah. But if I went with them, then I was gonna be um done for. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like they were trying to harm me in any way, though. That's not, I don't want it to come off that way. It was just like they were saying, come on. And I was like, no, 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 no. And in front of me was the, this giant presence. And this presence was like love. It, but it was like the energy of love that is so powerful. It's a total electric love. Like, mm. It's more powerful than anything we've ever known here. In fact, the first thing to come to my mind was, thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross. Mm. Wow. I knew that this is love, but yet it's so powerful that it could just boom. Like in an instant, I would be boom, gone, you know? Um so Janice, sorry, real quick, were you raised in a in a Christian household or, or anything like that? I, I guess. No, I remember I remember my mom my mom and uh stepdad going to church like maybe twice in my mm-hmm. life, but but I did like riding the church bus. I did go to a church that was uh close to um the trailer park where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were but we would get to ride the church bus sometimes and go to church. Um, however, that being said, um, that was only a few months. I remember going to vacation Bible school as a little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, when my aunts, it was important for them that we did have uh, that influence in our life. And so I remember being a little girl at vacation Bible school and they're like, does anybody want to give their life to Jesus? And I'm like, yes, me. And going down to the front and just Mm -hmm. having, um, very, when I was little, I, I had like a personal relationship with Jesus, but nobody really knew about it, but it was something that I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. You know, I was always like writing, you know, letters to jesus and stuff um yeah so you did ha- you did have a basic background of the uh, the yeah. gospel and all that yeah, yeah that's, yeah, yeah. that, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. kind of what i was yeah that's cool yeah and and i would throughout my life um i would like i said i went on a journey a pilgrimage mm-hmm. i really nomination that was representative of what i believed which was that what I believed was that Jesus was loving and he was coming to show us something. But then with institutionalized religion, and though I will tell you, I do love church and the community that it provides, it's, I'm very hard pressed to meet people who live from the spirit still to this day. Mm. Um, but I did go to all kinds of different churches at one point trying to find one. Oh, well. You're in good. You're in good company with us. I mean, both of us are are ex institutional. I mean, we plant house churches, organic churches, and I'm still an Anglican priest. 
Yeah, really? I'm, I'm definitely past all the religiosity is, is, is what I hear you talking about. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we we're, uh, yeah, I'll let Lindsay tell you anything he wants to tell you about. It. Yeah, we're past all that institutional, um, not the bad, not the good things. There are some good things about it, but, but just most of the garbage and the religious spirit that's in it, you know? Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Can't think of anything I would say different. <laughs> Yeah, I can see how people who have not actually like walked in the the pit, like lived in the pit, walked in the darkness. Like I can see how if someone was maybe raised in church and like born on a church pew, went all the time, grew up in church, then then just went to church. So like I can see how it would be hard for them to be compassionate towards people like me. But like I'm out here, like I said, living life, trying to find out like what's where my happiness is going to be found. I mean, I, I remember, um, you know, I was at one point engaged to this woman and we would go to church and it was like, I didn't see why what I was doing was unbiblical. Mm -hmm. And I remember very clearly, like at the same time, wanting to reconcile those two themes right. because believing I had, was born that way. Um, and then going to church and like, they would like have, they would, like skip certain scriptures and I'd be like, well, it says this is wrong. Why? Why? Love is love, you know? And um, so suffice it to say that, um, you know, after this experience, I had a different opinion. Mm. I imagine, I mean, we'll get more into it, but I imagine you totally had a different opinion. However, you know, at the, at the same time with that, um, you strike me as the type of person, just from the little I've gotten to know you, that even though you're a, you're for the truth, you're for the truth in like legitimate love, not let yeah. me hit you over the head and shove it down your throat, quote, love, right? Right, because yeah. this the goodness of God that leads yes. people. To repentance, Ooh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yep, I love that verse. And I was for love the whole time. I really, I longed for this connection. And um, so back to the experience. Yeah. I, um, I'm going to make so, you chase rabbits. Sorry, Janice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, I'm standing in front of his presence and I'm just kind of, as I tell this story, every time I tell this story and I've told it a lot, it's like I'm experiencing the whole thing again. Mm. But thank you. Um, so I'm standing in front of this presence and the first thing that like flies out of my mouth, except we don't use our mouth to talk in that environment. It's just a thought. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be no thoughts that are secrets. Like every thought is just automatically goes telepathically. And um, so I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross, because I'm understanding this power is so much greater than what I could even fathom or have even imagined. And so, but, but this presence is so calm. I'm, you can tell I get excited. You should imagine, you could imagine like when I'm in that. So, um, I'm like, please, 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 please let me go back to my baby. You, and I remember having this thought like, you know, she's just a baby. And, um, she's four at the time. And, um, I knew like I was acutely aware that I had just blown, blown my shot at raising that one because, um, my daughter, um, was like I said, 19 and my son was 16. I felt like I had 
imparted or I guess shared some stuff about who I was with them, I'd raise them, right? Right. And little tiny girl was going to grow up without a mom. And I was just um, pleading, but his presence was so calm. And if you've ever had like a hard day and then a person walks in and they're just calm and they just listen to you and they just allow you to have your moment and then they just love you anyway, like that's what this was like. Well, it's almost like they open up their heart. We, we, we do a, when we teach our emotional healing stuff, we, we encourage people to like to learn to open their heart. And it's like that person has opened their heart to you and it permeates from them into you. And it makes you just feel like, oh, is that what you're yeah. talking about? It's just that peace. And it was also this sensation, Brandon, of being fully known for the first time ever mm. and still loved, right? Like at this point in my life, I mean, I was a mental health list, you know, mm. anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, um, PTSD, yeah. all of the things. But it was like now in this presence, like none of that mattered. None of it mattered to him. And I say him because it did feel very masculine. And I immediately made the connection. Oh, wow. I am with the father. This is my father. This is my father. This is a father. Um, my, I had spent my life, like I said, with my mom and step dad. And so had always longed for that dad, that daddy, that father, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and a good one, not just like a, a, like not just one that had flaws, but this was a perfect, yeah. holy father. Yeah. Yeah. But some people spend their whole lives. I mean, I have in, in a lot of ways, just looking for that perfect father, you know, knowing that their, their, their human father can't be that, but, but looking for that to encounter that perfect father's love and, and you encountered it. I mean, this is what's, what's so cool about your story. You encountered it in the middle of ODing on drugs. See, you know what I'm saying? It's like yes. it, a father like that, you, you know, it, in our world, we would say, no, you need to be clean before you go to the father for him to, enter, you know, to love you and all that kind of stuff. Whereas the, the God, God that we're talking about, God, the father, he's like, no, come as you are, come, you know, and, and he introduced you into all this and you experienced him in the midst of, and I've, I've heard, you know, other stories of, of people like that with trips and, and meeting Jesus and how he is just, it's like, you don't feel condemnation. I mean, did you feel condemnation at all? Uh, no, I felt very aware of what I had been doing, right. but I didn't feel condemnation. I felt almost the best way to describe it is like defenseless, like a little child. Mm but in a good way. Mm -hmm. hmm. Wow. Yeah, I listened to uh, some of your testimony on the Crossing Over NDE YouTube channel. And yeah, okay. that's, that, that's all the homework I did. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, 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 it's just always intriguing to me how people talk about what sounds like physical sensations after they're separate yeah. from their body and just mind blowing to me, what's that like? How, how does that work? Does it, do you think that points to something more to what we call physicality than, than just this sort of in the, I don't want to call it the upside down to use the, the pop culture reference, but 
anything, that's the right side. That's the right side up, and we're the upside down. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to know if you could go into that a little bit. What what is what's the difference between these sensations there versus here? Wow, it's a great question. Great question. The sensations in that realm far, 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 far outweigh sensations in this realm mm -hmm. there it is so intense and so full in that realm that i i truly felt like i had never been alive except in those moments mm -hmm. and and even i would go so far as to say it that's truly what i think a lot of people chase when they're trying to yeah to do the things here to find pleasure like that's what we're all looking for that's what we all need that's what we all want that is the fullness, like the realness, the depth, like we've never imagined or experienced here. Mm -hmm. You know what it reminds me of? I want to interject here. It, I use the term joy for it because I think joy just encapsulates everything. It's like it encapsulates peace. It encapsulates all these. And it's like, I think in this world, we, we catch glimpses of that joy. Like when time stands still and you're just mm -hmm. there. And it reminds me of it. I think it's, Lindsay, correct me if I got the right book. I think it's Surprised by Hope, where they go to heaven and it's more real. And and that That's the great no, the great divorce. The, That's great, the great divorce. divorce. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. And they stand on the grass and the grass is like more real than it is on earth. And that's what I'm hearing you say. It's like in this mm -hmm. other world, it's like all these sensations were like ours here, but they're more real. Would that be an accurate um, explanation of that? Yes. Yes. Um, and I would even say so in heaven. I believe that was a heavenly realm. Heavenly where realm. I was. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like you just, um, it's, it's like an immersion, if you will. So if you've ever, mm. I, I guess we could, you see those people taking those ice baths, right? And yeah. how it resets their whole system. Yeah. That's kind of how this was, but on steroids. Yeah, uh, but spiritually. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, All right, keep going. So then, so then we're in this second environment. Suddenly, we didn't walk. We were immediately there, okay? And um, I'm on a platform with the father. He's standing to my right, and um, I'm, well, he's just to my right. It's not standing. I'm not seeing a bodily form. Right. But I'm standing and I am and I am looking out at all of these people and all of these eyes just looking back at me. More people than I've ever seen in, it gathered in one place. There's millions or billions. I don't know. I couldn't count them. Mm. But they're looking at me and they're waiting. And I'm like, what? What are they waiting for? What are they? And just to describe them a little bit. So they're not people that I know in life. These are people that are alive, I believe, in the world today. Mm. Um, they were standing shoulder to shoulder, like squished like sardines. And just looking up at me, they were all wearing the same thing. And it was like they had on um, scrubs, like doctors and nurses wear, except they were, they were all the exact same. And the color was like um, a khaki color. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, there was not, they weren't sad. There wasn't any sad expression, and there wasn't joy, like we just talked about, but just this waiting. And so I lean into the father and I say, Well, 
what do I do? I'm looking at like, what do they want from me? You know? And, um, and he said, love them. Like, I think my immediate response was yes, because they all looked lovable. They looked worthy of love to me at that moment. They looked like they were anticipating love. So yeah. Okay. And love as I know, it means to be kind and thoughtful and generous and um, patient with people. So I could do that. And then, um, I said, well, what am I going to say? And he said the truth. And I was like, Ooh, Oh, okay. Because obviously <laughs> if I'm saying, okay, I'm going to have to actually tell the whole story. I'm not going to doctor this story up and take out the unpleasant details. Right. I'm going to have to tell the truth. And so I said, you know, all right. Okay. And at this point, I remember very clearly feeling pretty confident that he's going to let me come back. And so there's this relief, man, like, thank you. So then I said, well, what do I need to change? And I'm talking like thinking that I'm still going to be the same way when I go back, thinking like I'm still going to be like using meth. I don't know, uh, using sex and calling it love. I I was thinking like along those lines. Okay. And so, um, but his response was like nothing and, but not just nothing, but like almost like a nothing because almost it was like the, the sensation I got from that was like, cause you couldn't change yourself if you tried kind of thing. Wow. I'm like, you aren't actually going to change. I'm going to change you girl, you know, kind of like, and so, and then I said, okay, well, and then I look back at the people and I'm like, they're wanting to hear something. I can tell they're, they're wanting me to say something. So I said, but where am I going to learn everything? Cause I know at this point I'm going to be talking to people, you know, mm-hmm. these people. And, um, and he said, well, it's, it's inside of you. It's already inside of you. Wow. See that, that, that just, that just right there gives me a clear indication that what you're encountering is not some kind of counterfeit or some kind of, uh, I mean, you know, some, so I think some people's near death experiences, they, they, I think they're legitimately near death experiences, but I think they can be, kind of counterfeited by the evil one, you know, but, but, but the fact the father told you like, look, there's nothing you can do. I'm going to change you from the inside and it's already inside of you. That is like thoroughly biblical. And so that just shows me that this is going along with the truth. Does that make sense, Janice? Do you get what I'm saying? It totally makes sense. And, and I hope we get to talk about that in a little more depth because yes, yes, we. I want to share with you the after. Yes. Yes. This experience and kind of how, my brain broke it, like that processed it and what I was led to do. And so, so at that point I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to come get, I'm going to come back. And I'm, and I'm just having these thoughts, which, you know, he knows my thoughts. Cause again, I'm, I guess I'm talking to him, but it's really just my thoughts. And so I just want to kind of pause right there because when we're thinking we are in a, in a state of prayer a lot of times. And so what I'm thinking about it at this point is like, I'm coming back. I'm going to be a mommy and I'm happy to be that. I love everything about parenting. And I know that that seems like a contradiction because of my 
addiction issue, but I'm telling you that there are mommies out there today who love their babies who cannot get clean and they love their babies and they think about their babies every day. And same thing for dads too, I'm sure. Um, and so with that being said, like I am over the moon, grateful. And then we are back in the first environment to expound on that environment it is such a beautiful color it's it's a color that we don't have here it's a living color and i would tell you if you want to kind of see and imagine what it is go find an opal an opal with fire in it and just gaze into it and like know that that was kind of like what it was like and every time his spirit moved this environment like moved to wow Mm. yeah totally in sync crazy wow it's nice that you actually saw some color. Some descriptions I've heard of heaven just sound so boring. I'm like, it doesn't sound like anywhere I want to go. Just white and nothingness. And yeah. Like, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. no thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Now, this color was so beautiful, it was mesmerizing. Like, um, just, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't more mesmerizing than what was right in front of me, but it was like, whoa, like, I was in awe, you know? And uh, so then he... Somehow, I feel myself being pulled into his being, into the spirit itself, Abba, the father, um, and just pulled into him and then shown so many things. So I was shown as I began to look at my hand, because I did have, I remember looking at my hand. I put my hand up like, you know, if it's, you know how if it's dark and you put your hand in front of your face? Well. That's what I did. So I put my hand in front of my face and I look and I can see through myself Mm. and I'm seeing somehow, and I'm having this revelation by looking at my hand and it being transparent that we're a spirit, a soul and a body. Wow. Mm. I see other people in him too. And they're just living their lives, doing whatever they do. And I'm like, we're inside him. Well, yeah, we live and move, and inside him, we live and move and have our being. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I didn't know that. I know that's crazy. <laughs> that that validates it is what is what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. and um, I feel like this is where I had like this was a moment, maybe a minute, maybe a second. There's no time or space in there, guys. Like it's not it just is you know and i'm and i'm seeing i'm seeing some different things that happened to me like or remembering them i guess mm-hmm. i don't remember but like just specific traumatic events that had happened to me early on in childhood and sh- and being shown the other perspective they were sad it was a hard thing but there was another part to the story too and the way that my per- like i was being shown this that it was just i had my little my little child brain process it in one way but there was a bigger story and so from that i deduced that there's there's a lot of purpose and things that happen that i don't understand mm-hmm. this applies to tiny little things and mm. and continues onward to the quote unquote bigger things because also part of this was like there are no tiny things. Yeah. Mm. And um, with that, just truly being, it was like I was being transformed when I was in that presence, being infused with love, being infused with 
his presence just onto a cellular atomic level. Makes total sense. Yeah. And then, <laughs> can you imagine trying to go to work on Monday? <laughs> <laughs> no. no. This was a Friday night, you know? Okay, so 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 Jetta's back. I mean, it, all right, so all this is going on. What is your friend doing? What What's happening back in the, quote, real world? I say that in quotes because I, I think that this world we live in is not really the real one. I think the spiritual one is more real than, and I don't mean that in a cultic way. I mean that in a, like, I think, anyway. I don't want to get. I that. I agree. Yeah, I agree. So I come back, slam into my body, take this huge breath, literally like the biggest inhalation of air you can imagine, mm -hmm. and I begin saying the stories are true, the answer is love, Jesus is real, and I'm really like ecstatic, and he's as wide as a ghost, y'all. He is literally <laughs> like, like he just caught got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. To be honest, like, mm. uh. Um, and so I'm yelling all these things. I'm laying down still. Yeah. And uh, saying like, I'm alive, I'm alive. And then it was like, boom, I incinerated. A fire came from my belly into like from within. And then it just burned me from the inside out. Like literal, like I'm talking sweat, chills, uh, like uh, trembling. And then according to him, I started speaking another language. Wow. My memory was that I was still saying the same things. He says, at first, the language I spoke was just like scary and I looked scary and it was like ugly. And then after that few seconds of that, then a beautiful language burst forth and that my whole countenance changed. Wow. So supernatural deliverance. I mean, yeah, I mean, and speaking in tongues. I mean, I think you you had an experience of the gift of tongues. I mean, that's that's it's it's yeah. it can be in ejaculations of joy and and who knows unknown tongues and unknown languages. I mean, you might have been speaking some angelic beings language, you know, and which makes perfect sense since you were just right there with them. You, right. So anyway. I think it was a baptism of fire. It was I a mean, baptism of something. Yeah, I was about to say yeah. you were submerged and saturated yeah. with mm. with something. Yeah. Immersion is the is is my favorite word for that. You were you were just immersed in his presence. Well, it didn't go away. I kept speaking like that. I still do. Yeah. Um yeah. just as I'm led to and as I pray yeah. and yeah. spend time in his and, and I will tell y'all that um whatever that immersion did. When I was in that other realm, it stayed. It stayed with me. It's still inside me. I feel it. I stay in a state of meditation a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and just intimacy with his presence, with the Father. So what do you mean by the state of meditation? I just want to clear that up for our audience. You mean like just like uh, pondering him, staying like like yes. like like Mary pondered in her heart, Jesus, stuff like that? All yeah. these things. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's it's my mind is stuck in heaven. Like mm. this this nothing will compare to it. Wow. Nothing ever could compare to it. Your mind is stuck and in so, heaven. That that that's my that's my tag phrase for this whole podcast. Your mind. Okay. <laughs> I mean, no. Well, I mean, that's perfect. I mean, we, we get disparaging towards people. And I used to be like this when I first was immersed, so to speak. 
you know, he's so earth, he's so heavenly minded. He's no earthly good. And, and I'm like, that is such an awful quote. You know, if I'm heavenly minded, yeah. I'm going to be super, uh, like definitely earthly good. I'm going to be better. And definitely. And, and it's like, um, the best way for me to describe it is like, because of this, because of this experience, there is no anxiety. There is no depression. I don't use drugs. I'm celibate and happily celibate. Like who can really say that? Like, it's like a gift. Um, I had the opportunity to, like I shared, um, with you once, Brandon, like walk through a gift of poverty without caring that I didn't have Mm. all the gadgets, bells and whistles, like just not needing those things. And, and truly began to, after this experience, seek out what just happened to me. Who the heck am I? Because all of those titles as I was dying, like choking for life, the ego died. Mm. And it, it, it had to die because it was all fake. Mm. It was all these ideas that we get about ourselves instead of who, who the father says we are. And I did, I went and I started digging through boxes and found a Bible and I'm like, I got to know what just happened, you know, because yeah. I also didn't want to be deceived. It says that like I knew a handful of scriptures and one of them that I knew was that the, that the devil can be an angel, an angel of light. Of light Absolutely. Right? Yep. So yep. like, I'm like, oh, I got to find out what happened. Or, and, and it was such a, an intense situation. Like super consciousness is a real word. And I didn't know that it was a real word until after this experience. Interesting. And I Googled it because I was suddenly thinking with such a different part of my brain, a spiritual part of my brain that I didn't know existed. Uh, yeah. That, that, that's, that's really interesting. I'd love to hear more about that. But, uh, what, what, what I, what I want to kind of shift here and you say so you got your Bible out and what, what I appreciate about what you're talking about is that you, you didn't just want to go just with an experience. You wanted to, to be able to back up what you went through with the word of God for it to have validity. And and I think at least me looking at you and the little that I know about you, I mean, I, I, I feel like I know you more than the average person, but I see, you know, there's a scripture that says that you will know them by their fruits. And we use that scripture oftentimes so negatively. But I think in an in an experience like this that you've been through, we know the validity of what you've been through by the fruits. Uh, a, mm-hmm. a person who goes through what you went through and it was satanic is not going to pick up a Bible and, and and start you know saturate and and it's, and it's more than just putting information in you. It went it went into your character. You know, mm-hmm. people are not going to start chasing Jesus if. They encountered an angel of light. They're going to start chasing something else. I mean, that to me, that is a clear-cut discernment issue. If if somebody is reading the Word, praying for sick people, loving on people, ministering to people, and all that stuff, that's the the, the enemy is not involved in that. That's just you yeah. know them by their fruits. Am I am I safe in that assumption, Janice? Yeah, I think that um, like what. I noticed was that as I began to tell people who were, I would call regular Sunday attendees, Mm -hmm. they became skeptical quicker than any other group of people. Yeah, sure. Yep. Yep. And, and they were the quickest to tell me that I was too heavenly minded to be any earthly good as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And so it did it, but nothing could dampen this. Nothing could 
nobody, no words that anybody said to me could ever tell me that my father was a raffled, vengeful, bipolar, ready to strike me with a lightning bolt ever again after this experience. And as a result of that, what happened was I was allowed this opportunity to walk out the full deliverance to the point where, yeah, it led to, it's led to ministry and to share with other people like the true nature of our father and how good, merciful, compassionate, he's the God of hope. And it says so. Yeah. And I, and I finally had it. Well, and, and too, there's this, this saying that I, I say all the time and and okay, and keep in mind that it's not it's not foolproof, um, obviously, because I'm saying it. But uh, it 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 uh, basically give me a man with an experience more than a man with a doctrine. And I'm not making light of doctrine. Doctrine is important, but if you have doctrine and you don't have an encounter or an experience with God, all you have is doctrine. Yeah, you know, it, it, you have to have both, but. But there's tons of people in in what you're talking about, the more traditional church world, that all they have is a doctrine, and it makes me question uh, uh, how how much further does it go? I mean, we can't leave our relationship with God in the left side of our brain. It's got to it's got to saturate, you know, the the the, the totality of us holistically. We have to have um, these encounters. Well, first thing I get accused of is being an emotionalist or a an enthusiast or all that kind of stuff. But I mean, just in real life, you, you can't have a marriage or a friendship or anything like that. Just knowing facts about the person you have encounters, you have experiences with them. You do things with them. You know, it, it, it I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that that's what really jumps out with me about this. Cause we've interviewed some other near death experience type things. And, you know, and that's the big thing that a lot of, of, uh, people will pop out with, well, how do you know it's real? How do you know? And I'm like, by their fruits, you know them by their fruits. That's like I said, that's not just a negative connotation. Um, if people are pursuing Jesus and the father with all their heart, they're not getting a, a, an angel of light. Now, if they're, if they're going into the woods and they're finding metal plates and they're translating them and making a cult. Yeah. They're getting different. (laughs) (laughs) They're different getting different light. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, well, and, and two things come to mind as you're, as you're sharing that number one, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Absolutely. And, yep. Second yep. Corinthians, right? Um, yes. And I started to unravel, I guess, if you will, um, my experience through scripture. And then it was like finding, honestly, it was like finding treasure when I began to read because the whole Bible opened up to me. There was multiple experiences following this, but there was, uh, the Bible opened up to me and I be in it and it reads to me like a love letter, a poem and there's mm. deliverance, there's supernatural healing. Yeah. There's our identity is in there. And my son recently said to me, he said, mom, after you had your experience, oh, I'm kind of emotional That's sometimes. Fine. Let it out. He said, Mama, after you had your experience, I wonder what happened to you. No, but I know nobody believed you. That must have been hard. And I said, it was mm. hard. He said, but, you know, he's, he lives with me. He's 21. He's so precious. And he's such a good kid. And he said, but I can see it in your fruit that it was real. Even when I want to get mad at you because, you know, you're talking about Jesus so much. He's like, you're so in love. You're so, you love people like I, your fruit mom, your fruit. And so you're just confirming that, you know, and it's, that is what people need to look at. And I do caution against, because there are people who 
first of all, it's it's maybe not their fault. Maybe they've been deceived. So we want to give that benefit yep. of the Young doubt and have compassion. And mercy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's sad. But number two, this also goes to the 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 sweet Sunday people at church. It's not their fault. They don't know. No. They don't know. And, you know, um, forgive them, Father. They know not, but they do. So when they persecuted me, they weren't really persecuting me. They're just persecuting Jesus, just like he was on the cross. That's exactly what happened with re religious people to Jesus. And so he still said, love them, you know, Father, forgive them. And that's kind of what he showed me I have to do, too. Well, we just got finished. A group of us guys were reading through. We just got finished with the book of Acts. And it, it's made abundantly clear in there um, Jesus confronts Paul and he says, why do you kick against the goads? And he wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting other Christians, but Jesus made it really clear that no, 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 you're persecuting me. Yeah. See, yeah. and that's a great example of what you're talking about. And here's the big thing in, in my opinion, my, my very humble opinion is it, it it's not people's fault. There's, there's, there are sinister forces, is what my, my friends likes to say, everywhere, and, and they have built institutions to cultivate that nominality, if that's even a word. I don't know if that's a word or not. Nominal, nominalists. And so these people are ignorant. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest occult symbols is a circumpunk, and the interesting thing about a circumpunk is you have a, a, a round circle, and then you have a dot in the exact center of the circumpunk, the dot in the center are the people who are in the know, and the circle around it are the people who are part of the organization but are not in the know. And a large portion of, of and I'm not comparing the church to an occult organization, but a large, the same same gist of it is a large portion of the people don't know that that they're ignorant because they're doing what they always have. It's what their grandma did and their grandma's grandma did. And, and, you know, they don't think outside the box, they just do it. And so you're right there. We need to have a lot of mercy and grace for these, yeah. for these people instead of demonizing them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I think that what happened from this, and this is one of the things that on a regular basis I'm led to do is Jesus prays for all believers. in John 17, mm -hmm. That prayer is so powerful, precious, and so vital for the body of Christ. It's like one of the most important prayers, I think, at least in, in the Gospels. I mean, that yeah, that's his heart. Yeah. So when people ask me like about my doctrine, I'm like, open your Bible to John 17, read the prayer for all believers. That's that's my doctrine. That's my theology. That's my prayer. That's yeah. what I want to see. I want to see all people come to the understanding of the oneness that we have been brought into by Jesus and his sacrifice with the Father. Yes. Well, and then and right in that same chapter, it goes on down and it says, and this is eternal life, having a relationship with me, you know, being in communion with me. In all the yes. different shape, forms, or fashions that God has, has made us to be in communion with Him, being in communion with Me is eternal life. It's not something that starts when you, when you die. It's starting. It's something that starts like you used earlier when you're immersed into Him. Mm -hmm. And how do we bottle up this experience or this joy, this feeling, and share it with the whole world? So I don't know. And give those us, who choose that, you got an answer. I'm sure you've thought about it. Tell us what. What do you think? 
how do we do this? <laughs> Sharing this experience, you know, um, if I could bottle it up like tears in a jar, I would. Um, but just sharing this experience because it has, it car- he's carried upon these words and in this conversation and in this gathering where two or more are gathered and we're in agreement. And so um, people have told me, you know, different things that they've, different revelation that they've had by listening to it. Um, but it's like, if I'm just still wanting to, you know, burst forth and be a big bubble of love for people, but you know, in, in this vessel, this is the, the this is what I can do. Revelation 12, 11, they overcome by the blood of the lamb mm. and the word of their testimony and to continue to share it and share it and share it. Mm. Wow. I'm actually dumbfounded. I don't have anything to say. And if you ask my friends, that's rare. <laughs> wow. So continue on forward. How has this affected your life? I know, I mean, I know it's come out in fruits, but what, it, what, what are some like real tangible ways that, you know, tell us about your ministry. Tell us about where you feel God's leading you, what you're called to do and all that kind of stuff. And we can kind yeah. of wrap it up from there. Okay. So my first ministry is my family. Um, my relationships with my children went through a period of estrangement because the mother that they knew was not who the way I behaved was no longer how I behaved. And my interests had changed so dramatically that, um, it was awful for them at first. But what's happened is that now today we have good, healthy relationships. My relationships with my family members has also been restored. Um, and we, we walk in a level of health in these relationships where a lot of my relationships with them had been toxic before. And, and, you know, we could go into that in depth. I've studied a lot about trauma and trauma bonding and how, Mm. you know, in mm-hmm. this world, we do so much of that. And that's, that's the compound of our family fabric, you know? Um, so what I was led to do, I immediately started ministering to people. I believe the Holy spirit just drew people who were in addiction to me and I would just pray for them and pray for them. And we would have phone calls and things like that. But ultimately I'm just here as like a, a light pointing to Jesus, um, and, and learning that lesson, you know, that I can't have the answers for you. I can't be your Holy spirit, but yet I can show you the one who can, and just pointing to Jesus and, and reassuring people as they go on their journey. Um, I did do, um, uh, ministry with trafficked and exploited women for about a year, a year. That was a wonderful, intense experience. I lived in a Oh my God, I lived in the home with them and, um, you know, for 17 hours a day and really got to know the heart of the father for these women who, um, have been in these situations It happens to men as well, but men weren't in that house. And so, um, that was a ministry for me, um, for a little while and then went into working in, um, drug rehab facility. And that was a ministry and just sharing his love with those people. It was a faith based, but not a Christian based ministry. So our establishment. So, um, you know, that, 
that was just a short period. Um, but now what I'm doing is this is so wild, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. And so homes are very important. And I believe that when I'm, uh, when I'm meeting with someone who's looking for a home, I have in mind like that this person has been brought to me as a gift and for me to be a vessel as I'm aligning them with their family home, a place for, for joy to happen, worship to happen, fellowship to happen. How beautiful is that I get to just be in that role. Um, and I'm still learning. It's I'm new to it, you know, but just carrying forth that as a ministry and everything that I do, he's in everything. There wasn't anything that was made that he wasn't, it wasn't made through him for him. So yeah, just carrying through with that today. Um, I have a little Bible study I do at home. Uh, have a couple of really lovely women who come and share uh, their lives and we get to fellowship together in the home. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, it, it became who I am. It's, it's not like a thing I go do. That that's it. You, yeah. you just, you hit on that right there. And, and I'm not going to belabor this, but that is the problem with modern Christianity is it has become something that we do and not something that we are. All the other movements that are affecting our culture, it's not something they do. It's something they are. I mean, I could name several, and I'm not going to because I don't want to besmirch them or whatever, but there's several sinful groups out there that that sin has become their identity. Right. It's It's true. It's who they are, and that, that manifests itself in everything we do. We're missing that in... And in modern Christianity, but yeah. I—I I mean, I have hope. I think it's coming back. I mean, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and right. so we have to get to a place to where one of these days we're going to be on the offensive, and we're going to, you know, we're th- th- those gates aren't going to prevail. So we're going to have to get back to the place of what you just said. It's—it's it's who you are. It's, it, it's not what you do. That's profound. Mm. Profound. And, I'm steal that quote. <laughs> yeah, I probably heard it somewhere, um, and it just it. came out. Yeah. Um, but you know, here, here's the thing: is that, like, looking back on my life, what I truly needed was a touch from the King the whole time. And how do I carry that forth, like the torch? You know, it says, it "says press onward." You know, for the high calling, not because I do it because I want some kind of something, but truly I want to see what he can do through me. I'm excited. I am having the time of my life. I've never felt so high. I've never felt so happy. I've never felt so joyed, like overjoyed. Like I am having the time of my life getting to be the hands and feet. And so I love to just be out and about. And so like, if I see somebody, I like to go, like, just go talk to them and, um, know them, hear their story. Mm. That's everybody has a story, you know? Um, And I often find that it's in those marginalized people that I find the most wisdom. Yes. We, we do too. Lindsay and I both, I mean, that's, we both, I mean, I, I'm speaking for Lindsay now. I'll let him speak about it. But we both feel a real call for those marginalized people. I mean, they're the ones that, yeah. they're the lepers of today's mm-hmm. society. You want to speak to that, Lindsay? Le- well, I was just going to say least, last, and lost. That's, yep. that's mm-hmm. with the, uh, the three L's there. 
Yep. Least, last, and lost. Yep. So what do you see in the future? What 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 is God showing you that you're going to do in the future? Do you have any big plans or anything? So he just shows me one step at a time, to be honest. So um, yeah. my current step is getting this temple aligned to reflect what's on the inside. Um, this journey has been hard on my body, meaning, um, so a couple of years ago, I went in for a gallbladder surgery. They nicked an artery. You can only mm. imagine the rest of the story. Yeah. Blood internally for six hours, had to have a full abdominal surgery without. So that's been a couple of years, right? Like the time, the window is is over. It's time for me to truly um, lean into the health of the temple, the human body and, and the place where he dwells within me. And so that's my, that's what I'm, that's what step I'm on and, and enjoying that. So that's this next step. But what I see and what I expect over the next coming couple of years is just a restoration, but also a blessing that is far different than what we can imagine. It says that his plans for us are what he has in store for those who love him are greater than any mind has conceived, any ear has heard, any eye has seen, you know? And so I don't yeah. want to limit it by my mm. own human um, ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a, a book that I did. Um, I did a chapter in a book recently um, of women or people who have overcome a lot of trauma. Um, Addiction is a trauma that's that's self-inflicted, or we could also say caused by, like you said, nefarious forces. Yeah. Um, and so that was a very traumatic period of my life. But, you know, I don't even touch on childhood stuff in that book. But chapter eight, um, that came out uh, a month or so ago. I'm working on a book that just has the whole story beginning to now um, because there's so many things, so many glorious things that have occurred that I, I feel like people should have an opportunity to read and experience through reading it. Um, I believe that we're one body. So what I experience is for you, Brandon, and for you, Lindsay, when it's the things of the spirit and vice versa, you know, and we can actually be healed and receive a level of healing, of deliverance, of um, renewal, just by reading what others have experienced in the Father. Absolutely. Well, it goes back to Revelation, overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, Janice, thank you so yeah. much for, wow, blowing us away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I just, I, I love, I'm really interested in near-death experience stuff, and and, and uh, it just, uh, I, I don't know why I'm so interested in it, but I am, and, and this story is just amazing, and I love how this story has a good ending, and it transformed you into the light, you know, there's stories yeah. out there that don't always transform people into the light, uh, mm -hmm. and there's stories out there that transform people more into something something fear-based like i went to hell for 20 minutes i mean i'm not knocking those things but i, I just you know i i see something like what, what you've encountered and some other people have encountered it, it, it has it, it seems to have more of the father's heart on it in my opinion yeah. so i see that in your story i see the father's hands i see his like he wrapped it up in a bow and you know this is your gift to the world Amen. And he tells me, stir up the gift that I've given you. And it's so amazing because y'all, 
never could I do something. Never could I cause this to have happened. Never could I have, like, I do not believe that this was my doing in any way. I don't believe that any of the glory is mine. I don't believe that it was like anything except his unbelievably unmeasurable mercy on me and compassion on me because who he is, who he is. And I'm still trying to learn to love people. You know, when I agreed to that, I thought it would be easy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm like, yeah, they're lovable. And it's been, it's been a process of me learning to love on Mm. such a deep level without being a doormat, without being abused in the process. But because that's not loving people when you allow them to treat you that way, um, just for anybody who feels like that might be the case. Um, there is a way, a holy love, an agape love that doesn't include any kind of uh, coercion or extortion or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just just learning to love people. And it's a lifelong journey. And the more I love him, the better I love them. And the more I spend time with him the better I love them. And it all goes back to it all is hinged on Jesus. Well, usually on our podcast, when we get to the end, Janice, we, we ask people what is uh, uh, their like, you know, greatest supernatural experience they've had since they've gotten saved. Well, obviously you just shared the yeah. whole podcast about you yours. Pretty much covered that one. Yeah. But, I, but, what, <laughs> I, but what I do want to do for you right now is I want you to have the last word. I want you, there's people out there that need to hear something that you have to say. I want to give you the last word on this. Mm, okay. Well, the, and, then pray, and then pray for us if you can do that. Okay. Yeah, okay? absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I would say that the spirit or the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. And if it happened to me, it can happen to you that he's not a respecter of persons. He's just looking for family. He wants you in it. And that is what it's all about. It hinges on Jesus. And he's brought us to a place where we can truly know the Father, the nature, the character, and the goodness of God. And there's a scripture that says, I'm confident that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Yes. And and I believe that for, for us today, that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And with that, I'll just pray. Um, yeah. And I like to take a moment and pause in silence. Mm-hmm. If you'll just turn your heart to the Father, just just turn your heart and fix on Him for just a moment, and then I'll pray. Abba, Father, I love you, and I, I'm so grateful, and I thank you so much for these gentlemen putting this show together. And I know that it was divine by your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for the person listening to this today. Father, I ask you to deliver them from anything at all that's hindering them from coming to you. Deliver them, bring them to the place where their feet are steady and on the rock of Jesus Christ. In your son's name, amen. Thanks for listening and supporting us. And remember, stay naturally supernatural.